You're listening to highlights from the Creative Processes interview with Kyle Higgins, Eisner-nominated comic book author and filmmaker, and Karina Manischel, president of Mad Solar. This podcast is supported by the Jan Michalski Foundation. I'm wondering what your thoughts are on, one, the copyright challenges and the ethics of AI and the changing role of the artist in the digital age. We've essentially self-immolated as an industry just to essentially recreate cable is where we're heading. A lot of people made a lot of money. Everything's content. And if I were going to advise a teenager going into the arts now to go to college or to try to build a career, I wouldn't even know where to start because it doesn't really feel like it's super viable um, or sustainable in a lot of ways going forward unless we really take a cold, hard look at what we're doing here, what shortcuts we are willing to take, and whether there's going to be any regulation coming in these industries before it's too late. When I talk about like influences and mentors, I find myself really attracted to singular artists and people that, no matter the industry, kind of went and did it their way, not as a fuck you necessarily to the status quo or the established industry or norms, but often because they understand them and, and now know how to iterate outside of them. And so like, I'm actually sitting here at my desk next to me. I have the first Superman film, the 1978 Superman film from Richard Donner starring Christopher Reeve. I have a poster next to my desk here that was given to me by Tom Mankiewicz, who was credited as the creative consultant on that movie, but he, I mean, he really wrote it. Tom was my mentor when I was at Chapman. And at the time, it was a different era with regards to superheroes. Thank you, Tom, for showing me how writing can change the world. And so that type of encouragement, that type of believing in you, even if you're not seeing it, just all of that was very, very informative and important for me. And it's something that I try to carry forward now as I'm working with younger writers or younger artists. And it was just in, it, incredibly influential. When I was younger, I used to draw all the time. So cartoons, comic books, anything visual just got me really quickly when I was younger. And I wanted to be a cartoonist up until I was 14, 15. And then I had this idea to be a rapper. But animation, cartoons, these were things that I was super passionate about. It's something that never changed throughout my life. You know, as I grew older, I still had an interest in comics. I still had an interest in animation. And reading comics as a kid was great for me because what I would do sometimes, because I used to airbrush and I would take pictures from the comic and draw them and make them bigger and have these big blown up pieces that I would do. There was one comic that I was really obsessed with that I used to do drawings of all the time and that was Scud the Disposable Assassin. That was really the first comic that I read that I felt like, oh, this is a unique story. This is new and different and I haven't seen anything like this before. Of course, I read like the Superman, the Spider-Man, the Batman and all those comics, but there was also like Scud and the Sonic the Hedgehog comics and the Ninja Turtle comics and things like that. So like when I was in like first grade, I would draw Ninja Turtles and basically I would sell the artwork to my friends, to my class. So like, you know, one side, if I had one image of a turtle, I would sell it for 50 cents. And if I had a front and back picture, it would be a dollar. It was like my little side hustle in the first grade. But it, it also let me know that my work was good. You know, people actually wanted it and people were checking for me to do artwork of turtles all the time. So, yeah, I started off a little business in the first grade. Well, as a lot of my fans know, this Moon Man thing has been kind of like my theme from the very beginning. And I think it wasn't until my fourth album, Indicud, where I really started to conjure up a world where this 
Moon Man character existed. And I don't know how many people got a chance to see that Cut Life tour that year where I wore a spacesuit. That was kind of like my first entry into making him a real thing. And on the suit, there was little details that gave you a little bit of the story. The album Satellite Flight was the name of the journey that I was trying to take the character on. And he was a part of this satellite academy, this ragtag group of soldiers that work and have a base on the moon. And I had this whole backstory, so that's how I came up with the whole theme of the spacesuit. But on that album, if you know, I had like that intro, to Resurrection of Scott Meskety, and all those intros, that was me kind of scoring this, this movie in my mind, this story of like who this Moon Man character was. It was very vague, you know, I didn't have any details. You know, I want to take the listener on this ride where this character I've been talking about for the past five years is, you know, a real thing. A couple years ago, it kind of got to this point where I was like, man, this is something that I want to actually bring to life. And I thought telling it in comic form would be the best way. And I thought there was no other better person. We were reaching out and we were thinking about people to work with. You mentioned Kyle and I just did my research and I was like, yes, he's the guy. <laughs> you know, it was like a no brainer. And, and as you guys know about all of his other work, you know, he's the fucking guy. I was like, wow, I really finally have an opportunity to make something that I've spent 15 years of my career building, making it a real thing and bringing him to life. You know, I'm partnered with Kid Cudi and we'll call him Scott. And this really started with him looking around the industry and feeling like Black superhero characters had either been exploited or you're hearing the fourth character in Fantastic Four. And Scott really had a resonant experience growing up with comics and wanted to create the superhero of today, the kind of modern culture-facing hero. And he said, well, let's build out a comic book. But there was no beginning to a comic book without Kyle. And I'll start just with a little shout out to my husband. Stuart Manischel works with him. So as soon as we were starting to ideate a comic, Stuart said, put the phones down, only call Kyle. And that truly was the greatest gift this man has given me outside of my two children. And so as we started talking and kind of going through what this could look like. I'd also been doing, I run a creator-owned superhero universe at Image Comics called The Massiverse, which is spearheaded by the main book I write called Radiant Black. I like to describe it as it's like Power Rangers with adult problems. It's like very contemporary kind of reimaginings of superhero storytelling for the 2020s. So in that context, then talking about what any type of new superhero, and in this case, what a new black superhero in 2024 could look like, what the threats would be, what the world might look like. If it's not even five minutes in the future, I would argue it's like two and a half minutes in the future. And then what kind of really, I think, complex, emotionally layered journey we could put this character through. So one of the things that was really important to Scott from the get-go, and it definitely coincides with his own kind of love and fascination with the moon and space and the cosmos was that this is a mission that our main character, Ramon Townsend, who is, he's an astronaut and a pilot. This is a mission that he has dreamed about since he was a very young boy, since he used to make his mother read him Goodnight Moon next to the window so he could wave. Unfortunately, though, much like a lot of us, you know, kind of elder millennials, the world that we thought we were going to be coming of age in and then entering into as an adult isn't the world that exists now. And a lot of those institutions, a lot of those ideals, a lot of that is gone. And I'm not the first person to, to coin us as a late stage capitalist society, 
increasingly it very much feels like that when you're talking about mega corporations that are only interested in controlling for the sake of owning and controlling. That original sense of discovery that I think attracted Scott and, and myself, honestly, to outer space, kind of some of those ideals that NASA used to represent discovery for the sake of discovery and exploring for the sake of the human species and the human condition. Those are the tenets that we all thought we were going to be entering into as artists, as scientists, as explorers. And so when a mega corporation named Janus, which is the fictional corporation in Moon Man, when that corporation headhunts Ramon to be one of the main astronauts and pilots for some of their commercial space flight endeavors, Ramon jumps at the opportunity because they are also prioritizing trying to get back to the moon. Unfortunately, the reasons to get back to the moon are a little bit less than ideal. Buckley, the billionaire, somewhat of a pretentious joke, son of Janus CEO and billionaire Mason Cordell, uh, Buckley has really kind of put this whole thing together because he really wants to be the first person on the moon in 50 years, probably for TikTok. You know, the dream of a billionaire son who can never escape his overbearing father's shadow. But for Ramon, going to the moon is going to the moon. And so he jumps at the opportunity. During their translunar injection, which would have been the maneuver that then sets them on their path to the moon, something went very wrong. And there are seven minutes missing from all instruments, from all live feeds, from the astronauts' memory as well. They were all blacked out. Ramon came to first, was able to get them back on course and get them back in contact with mission control and ultimately to get them back home. The soundtrack of Moon Man is what it sounds like. Scott is doing new music. It's not going to be for every issue, but he's doing new tracks that kind of are spiritual kind of accompaniment tracks to issues of Moon Man, to, to the first arc here in particular. And the first track just released called Black Ops featuring Denzel Curry. It's out on streaming platforms everywhere now. It's also uh, available at moonmancomic.com. The whole storytelling scene is undergoing a transformation. You know, OpenAI has just stunned the blogosphere with the release of Sora, a new AI model that generates videos in high fidelity. We've seen video generators before, but Sora seems to have an understanding of time and physics, which enables it to create not only more coherent videos than previous video generators, but also 3D worlds. So big changes and, and you can type anything in and it will create it within seconds. For me, what it boils down to is like, just because it's your dream doesn't mean you're entitled to a career doing it. If you're using tools that are exploiting people that have actually spent time honing, refining and building their craft, you're not benefiting yourself. You're not benefiting your project and you're not benefiting the larger community or even industry that makes this sustainable in any meaningful way going forward in a way that actually will attract people to still come and want to make movies. It's the same mindset, I feel, as looking at the vertical integration of streamers in, in this instance. Stable Diffusion comes out, OpenAI, ChatGPT comes out. Well, now the genie's out of the bottle. Well, the technology is not the problem. No, the people that introduced it with no regard for copyright, for ownership, for any of the tenants that make it viable as an artist or a creator to not only work, but also incentive to get into this line of work in the first place. You basically gutted all that and strip mine the future for short-term profits and gains, an explosion in venture capital money. And there's a reason Getty Images has a lawsuit against you, 4K. 
at every step of that, there are fewer titles that are being that have been released than the format prior. At a certain point now, again, when you've dwindled that down to the same, you know, take an extreme example, the same 20 movies, because that's the only thing that's accessible. Everyone's getting taught the same thing and you're just homogenizing the end result. Much in the way that all of the AI imagery that you see out there, the, it, it's, it's the same shit. And I just don't know who it's benefiting. Even the CEO of OpenAI is acknowledging nothing's free. There is a cost here. And similar to crypto in the sense of exciting unknown for a lot of people, but nothing's free. And I'm super curious to see how this shakes out on that front. I also think part of the problem, and you brought this up in the part of our conversation about Moon Man. So the feeling that we've essentially been priced out of the life that we were supposed to lead. So we were all taught, put your head down, go to school, get a job. You're going to afford a family, a house, kids, all the things that your parents had, you're going to have if you just follow the same path. But now we're all in this circumstance where we're priced out. Inflation has none of the things that we're promised has a path. So I don't blame the next generation for looking desperately, for looking to crypto, for looking to AI, for looking to TikTok, for looking to all of these circumstances as how can I get the lifestyle? And granted, social media has very like negatively impacted what we think the lifestyle should be. It's not kind of that holistic middle America, Americanic version of life. It is we live to the luscious or else we're not living. So that's kind of another component of it. But I think the status quo and the standards are not up to snuff. So you've got a reaction of collective majority who grew up on technology and has no problem living inside of it saying, hey, can this thing save me? Like, can I find my out if I create a quick fix by operating on behalf of a moment? And those regulations to them come later. We hope you've enjoyed listening to these highlights. To listen to the latest episodes or learn more about participating in exhibitions or interviews, click on subscribe. Thank you for listening.